Welcome to Sales is Not a Dirty Word, the show that proves if it's a fit, it's a fact. I'm your host, revolutionary sales coach, Alicia Barr, the creator of the Black Sheep Sales Method. If you're a done-for-you service provider who's ready to sell differently than the mainstream status quo so you can grow your profits and impact without pressure, pitching, or pretending to be someone else, then this is for you. This episode is with Amanda Katarsi. Amanda's journey from escaping a cult and surviving sex trafficking is an inspiring testament to her resilience and determination. After breaking free, she dedicated eight years to combating sex trafficking, counseling the New Zealand government, shaping legislation, and going undercover to dismantle trafficking rings. Now, as a high-ranking executive in three innovative companies, she empowers others through smart investments through Gray Wolf Investing. Amanda's story is a beacon of inspiration and empowerment, showcasing her unwavering commitment to making the world a better place. Let's go. Welcome to the big show. Sales is not a dirty word. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to finally get something on the record with you. I know. So funny story for anyone listening, Amanda and I, this is actually I think like the fourth time that we've met because every time we talked, there was just so much to talk about because your story is so incredible and is, yes, it's a testament to your resilience and determination, but it's also a testament to what's possible for other people who might be feeling victim to or chained to whatever happened to them when they didn't really, it's not serving them to hold on to that anymore. And like what's possible when you let that go is amazing. So how long have you had these three innovative companies of yours? Like you did eight years combating sex trafficking and then. Um, And then let's see, the copywriting agency is about five years old. So that's Inkerico. And then the two other companies I've been involved with for almost two years now. So one of them is Legacy Wholesale, which is a licensed wholesaler. And then the other one is Gray Wolf Investing, which is a investment group for wholesale to retail. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, and really just going through, just going up from here. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Things are progressing quickly. (laughs) And empowering others to join you in the ride. Oh, definitely. That's the whole goal of all of them is to, you know, with the copywriting, it's to help people find the words and find their voice. And then with the investment and the wholesale, it's about financial freedom and creating opportunities because finances aren't constrained. And and we all do better when we're not stressed out about money. We're all much better people when we're not stressed out about money. So if I can provide a, a key to that door, then I'm more than happy to do it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, feeling stressed about money is what make a lot of times what makes people feel like they don't have choices and they kind of get into the bad situations that not that that's how you got into it, but that is a common way that people get into those situations. Yeah. Homelessness and trafficking go hand in hand quite a bit. Yeah. So getting into entrepreneurship, Did you find the resilience you had built up through these other extremely difficult situations in your life benefited you? And were there any similarities to the ride? 
of course. I'm actually insanely grateful because there's no way I'd be able to survive or have as much success or emotional discipline uh, to work in these environments if it weren't for my upbringing, it weren't for the experience I've had. Not only that, but helping me communicate and become a better sales and at sales and negotiating. Because uh, when you're negotiating for someone's life or your own life, or you're trying, you're in a very intense situation that's very much life or death, you got to figure out how to earn people's trust and convince people to do something they might not want to do. Um, so that definitely translated over to sales. And now if I get rejected in sales, which isn't often, it, it's kind of funny because people get so devastated by a no. And I'm like, we just got, I, it's nothing to me. It's like, we just got, you know, three more no's until we get a yes. So it's not a big deal <laughs> versus dying or well, getting shanked, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or somebody saying no to, I mean, you the, I think that there is an important similarity to point out between those two. You always had the prospect's best interest in mind. So when you were trying to get someone out of those situations, like, how can I customize what I'm saying to help them save their life? And there's no doubt you bring that also to your sales conversations Mm -hmm. for your business. And if they say no, I mean, you had people say no when you were trying to get them to a better life too, right? Well, and if people say no, it's because you're not asking the right questions or you didn't present the opportunity in a way that they could see how it could benefit them. So a lot of that is meeting people where they're at in the moment. And that looked like on the street, having hot pockets and uh, condoms ready to go because I was meeting two very important needs. One was they were hungry and the other two was they need protection. So if I was able to eliminate those needs, I could get them to a much deeper ask and a much deeper need because now their basic needs are taken care of and or their problem that's staring them right in the face is being taken care of. Same with sales and negotiations. If I can identify what your biggest problem is right now and solve it for you, you're a lot more likely to listen to what I have to say or to say yes and do business with me much more. Yeah. I mean, that's like, <clears throat> I always say that cold calling is or, or door to door is like the best battleground because everything's cake compared to that. But I think that what you did is actually harder than door to door. I mean, it's door to door. It's like street to street, I guess. <laughs> in a sense, it's very similar. Um, you know, and people have different experiences and different hearts, right? So it was definitely a great training grounds because I never did door to door sales. Um, this, this is more or less my well, starting the, the copywriting agency was my first experience in technically in sales. Um, but yeah, the, the social work definitely prepared me quite a bit to enter that world with ease. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned something about like the emotional discipline. And so no, everybody listening, you don't need to like go through being in a cult and sex trafficked to have the emotional resilience necessary for a business. What kind of emotional discipline did you learn in those experiences that other people could kind of focus on mastering too? That's a great question. It comes down to your relationship with yourself a lot. And that sounds very like woo woo. But the truth is, if I don't, if I'm seeking outward validation, outward praise, outward, you know, wisdom or advice, all outward 
then I'm not self-sufficient. And there is a time and place for those things. I'm not disregarding that. But being able to trust your gut and trust your own intuition, your own decisions, being able to stand by your word, being able to take ownership when it's not fun to take ownership um, and being able to produce that own self-worth and that own self-satisfaction within yourself is really freaking important. Most people can't even do that on a very basic level. Um, and honestly, outward affirmation is something that I've always struggled in, with because I've been in so many situations where, um, you know, performance is what's the only thing that's rewarded. And I'm very performance driven because of that. So affirmation plays a big role in that. But as I started affirming myself and affirming others, I really didn't need that anymore because I started creating that culture in myself, Right. Yeah. And there's an element to what you're saying that I want to clarify that maybe that is part, a big part of it is when shit gets lit on fire, which it inevitably does, it does not mean anything about you. That means not saying, no, this external feedback means that I'm shit. Mm -hmm. Is that like oh, yeah. a big part of why that is so important is, is being able to say this isn't personal, like really it's the way you react to it is, is what is speaking to your yeah. identity more than the fact that it happened. And it's really important how you react to things, especially if you're a leader, especially if you're a woman surrounded by men. Um, so I am the only oh, female normally in this office and I'm surrounded by a lot of alpha males. Um, and so it's really, really important for me in the moment something does go off is to not react with emotion, but have the emotional mm. discipline to like sit with something, process it through. And even if I messed up is to quickly take ownership and move through it and not get caught up in the emotion of failure or whatever, uh, because if I get caught up in the emotion of failure, that influences them. And then they start getting caught up in the emotion of my failure and they can't get over it because I can't get over it. And it creates this huge mess. So the quicker we can move through, and I'm not saying ignore or disassociate, but the quicker you can move through emotions or just like you said, recognize that this doesn't deserve my emotion. It was a thing that happened. It was a project that did this. It's a program that did this. Why, why does it have to have an emotion attached to it? It doesn't. Um, so I'd say be a, little, a lot more selective with, what you give emotion to and what you assign it to. And also like, to your point, the energy spent feeling like shit is wasted. Mm -hmm. And instead putting that energy towards solutions right. and moving forward. Yep. yep. I'm, I'm actually right in the middle That's of this right now, you know, today. <laughs> so it's like, you know what, this was a huge hot mess express and it, it, it is what it is. Okay, here are the solutions. Here are we moving forward through it. Well, and the first version always is, for context, are you talking about your rebrand that yeah. you launched? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, Automation Empire, which is an amazing name. And anytime that you do the first version, it's always the shittiest version. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. when I had clients as a marketing agency, I was like, listen, guys, the beginning is the worst it's ever going to be. Yeah. And then it's just going to get better. So as long as you expect that and we're all on board, we're going to be just fine. Yeah. Um, so it's more, it's more like I did it. Yeah. 
like, like it's like pass or fail. Right. Like you pass. Right. Yeah. No. Well, and I think we attach a no. lot of finality, like very black and white to things sometimes of either it was a win or a loss. And it's like, well, there were 20 different elements to this. So how many were the, of those 20 were a win and how many of those were a loss? Well, you know, three of them were a loss. Okay. Well then you still won. Um, so I'm, I am the yeah. type of person to be very black and white. And so I'm learning that as I give myself more grace, it gives per- people permission around me to have grace as well. And I'm not saying slack off. I'm not saying not take ownership. I'm not saying any of that, but just to move through, like I said, those emotions onto a solution quicker. Yeah. And not be scared of imperfection. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, let's just be, let's just fucking, you learn way more by doing yes. Yeah. Um, one of my mentors used to always say action creates clarity. So um, I'm more so focused on action than anything else. So true. So many good things. All right. <laughs> um, okay. So also we talked about liberating yourself from other people's expectations and defining your own. Can you give us an example of how like the expectations other people had of you that were holding you back that you liberated yourself from? Well, from a very, you know, beginning being raised the way I was, there was a lot of expectations about a woman's role in the world, in life and in family. Um, And I was, I had subscribed fully to them. So fast forward when, you know, I'm not able to have children, that whole belief comes crashing around you. And now that you've lived with this idea of how your life is going to be and this expectation is set on you now. I don't have a choice. I have to live outside that expectation. So how am I turning that into a positive thing versus a negative thing? Uh, I mean, the same comes into being a woman in business or trying to redefine an industry, which we are doing. It's like, okay, well, this is the expectation that people have when they interact with someone who's doing wholesale FBA or interact with someone who, you know, is in the e-com industry. How are we redefining and exceeding their expectations, over-promising and over-delivering. We, that's what we're saying a lot here, because if you under-promise and over-deliver, then it, you're average. I have no desire to be average and we have no desire to offer anything average. So our mantra right now is over-promise and over-deliver. And that's, that's how we operate. Um, so yeah, I guess that's there. That it goes across multiple ways in, in life. And the more that I the more I live outside of other people's expectations and adhere to my own goals and morals, the more I see that reflected in the way we do business and the way my team operates and the way we create content together. Yeah. I mean, imagine you probably would not have been able to have three successful companies if you lived by the expectations that women should be small and submissive. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I mean, I would wildly depressed though probably because I was living as someone that I was not which I think we've all felt that in some way or another when you're just not being honest because with yourself because you're worried about pleasing other people mm-hmm. and I just had this conversation actually because my cousin got divorced and she's now gay um and like her grandma disowned her And everybody's like, 
how, why are you doing this to us? Yeah. And so I think that a lot of us feel like I'm hurting someone by being honest with myself about who I am. Well, it only feels that and way it, to people without boundaries. Yeah. Well, and they try to make you feel like that, right? People try to make you feel like you're hurting me, like you're a bad person. And it's so important to separate from it and say like, this is not personal. I'm just trying to be happy. It has literally nothing to do with you. Yeah. Well, and every again, that's, that's terrifying to someone who doesn't have that. That's a threat to someone who is not living in their truth because you are now. So it, it makes them very aware that they're not living in their truth, whatever that truth may be. Yeah. And when you do live in your truth, you have the kind of success like Amanda with three successful companies and just the possibilities whenever you really are in your own black sheepness, because Amanda's definitely a black sheep and I love that so much, um, then, you know, you're able to change an industry. Mm-hmm. You're able to redefine it. Um, and that's really powerful. We were just talking about how think of any change that's ever been made in the world. And it was probably a black sheep that made the impact or the change. Yeah, I was just talking to my friend about this because they came back and he's like in pre-K, which is so young. And they came back and they're like, he basically told her that her kid was dumb. And I'm like, first off, he's in pre-K. Second off, we've <laughs> known from the very beginning that this child like sees the world very differently. The way he reacts to things, the way he processes information, it's just different. And so I'm like, I told her, I'm like, listen, like they, they, all they're saying is he's not fitting into their structure. That's all they're saying. They're saying he doesn't fit here into this. So it's not necessarily bad or good. It's just different. And so finding where he does fit into and finding a place that understands how to leverage those differences is what's truly important. And the that's how any person becomes successful is by leveraging their difference. We Another thing that Ron says that we say around here all the time is different is better than better. People actually don't want something better. They just want something different. And so if you can give someone something different and you can leverage the different, you will be wildly successful. And luckily, every black sheep just naturally is different. So your friend's son is naturally set up for success. And I'm glad that, you know, I always say if being a black sheep means that they said fall in line and I said no, then I'm proud. And that I'm glad to hear that they're not going to make that kid fall in line. They're going to find out what really makes his genius blossom because it's so sad to think about how much, how many brilliant ideas and differences we probably missed out on by telling people who see the world differently to see it the same way. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, I, I think about even like you and I, if we had realized our different was good sooner and used it as a superpower sooner, how much further along we would both be, but Hey, it is what it is. So. Yeah. At least we realized it when we did. Mm -hmm. So I hope this gives you, whoever's listening, the permission to do shit your own way and listen to your intuition. So like, how did you start reconnecting to your intuition, Amanda? Because I know that's a big part of how you started to get out of these negative situations and be, and create success. Like, what did that process look like? So maybe other people can do it too. Well, I had to come to grips with, I've been lying to myself for a long time and not 
again, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It was a survival tactic. It was a form of disassociation, which is completely normal. Our subconscious is incredible about saving us from any harm and any risk, which I'm very grateful for. The subconscious is also not interested in us taking calculated risks or being successful. It's just interested in our survival, not our thriving. So there comes a point in life when you're out when you're past that survival mode, you know, from baby to toddler to child, you start moving outside of that survival mode. And that's when you see kids become crazy or rebellious or acting out is because they're pushing those boundaries. Um, And I had to reestablish that trust that I had broken with myself, the violation of self-trust over and over and over again, putting myself in toxic, dangerous situations. So I had to reconstruct that trust. And it looked like very practically keeping even the smallest promise to myself. So if I set the alarm, I had to keep that promise to get up. If I said I was going to do something, I could not cancel. I had to follow through. If I wanted to wear the red shirt, I had to put on the red shirt first and I could not take it off. So having that ruthless honesty with myself in the smallest things and building that trust, becoming a trustworthy person to myself allowed me to build that self-trust, which also allowed me to be a trustful person in general. Um, And that helped me rebuild my intuition. Okay. That's great starting points. And like how, I know everybody kind of feels it different, their intuition. How do you know when you're being drawn towards something that's like the right solution? Just your intuition is telling you. It's almost like a cord in my belly button or like in my stomach. It's like a pull. Like I feel like a spirit pull or like, I'll be like immediately. Yes. Like what is my knee jerk reaction to this and trying to keep that as pure as possible is always the goal. Um, So again, even back to the shirt thing, like if I'm like, what shirt do I want to wear? And I'm like, I want to wear green. Then I need to go with that immediate knee jerk reaction. So that's how mine kind of manifests. And that's how I kind of feel it. Either it's like an immediate yes, like inside knee jerk, or I feel like this pull. And so I got to kind of like pursue that to see how it develops. If it's a little bit more complicated. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's it's a pull from my belly button too. So definitely makes sense for me, actually. Um, Okay, so how did tuning into your, like what did your intuition, how did your intuition guide you to the Amazon automated FBA stores? Boy, y'all. I was writing for somebody else and he was trying to lock down uh, Mr. Early as a speaker for his event. And Mr. Early happened to be in the same city that I was in. So I reached out to him. I knew he had just written a book. So I bought a copy of his book and I said, hey, could you please sign your book for me? Um, And he's like, yeah, let's just meet at Starbucks really quick and you can sign it. I'll sign it for you. I've got like five minutes. Um, And so we met and that five minute conversation turned into an hour and a half. And uh, we were talking about doing business together. So I'm like, you know, I can definitely write for you. Let's let's start that process. So I started shadowing and writing for him. And then next thing I know, he made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And here we are. (laughs) And it was just, it just felt right. So as soon as I walked into the office and met all the team, like it felt like home. And it, it was that immediate yes feeling. And it just made sense. And it was a hard switch because 
the copywriting agency was doing so well, but me being coming part of this would require me to step away um, and not run the day to day. So I had to make that decision. It also removed me from the quote unquote entrepreneur kind of world to where I was stepping into somebody else's business. Uh, so mm. there was a little bit of an ego hesitation, but it was very easy for me to recognize that, you know, that ego, I'm going to, I'm going to honor it and be like, I hear you and I hear your fears and I hear your hesitations, but you know what, let's just address them. Let's just talk about them with him. And so mm. that's what I turned it into is like a sit down. Part of my negotiation was, Hey, these are, these are what I'm, what's coming up for me. This is my hesitation. Well, how, how can you meet me halfway or how, what, what would you say to that? And so it, it ended up being part of that. And so that way I wasn't again, disassociating or setting, shutting down any intuitive voices in me, even the ego. I was honoring the ego and saying like, I respect that you want the best for me. So we're going to address you. And then we're also going to address the gut that immediately wants to, you know, fly the coop and do a bunch of crazy stuff. So it's emerging between those two. And it was just alignment. When it clicks, it clicks. And I've been searching for that click for a minute. I love that so much because so many times we have our intuition telling us something. And instead of saying, oh, I'm just going to not do it, you just talked about it. And it's so much easier. And I mean, this is like part of sales too. Like just ask, just ask the question. Everybody's happy. I'm sure he was so happy that you brought that and asked because if you hadn't, you would have been resentful and not like dedicated the same. And it's the same in any sales conversation. Just freaking ask, what do you mean? Do you mean you're not going to do it? Do you mean you have a hesitation about it working? Like, what is it? Um, Like, it's always going to be better to ask. A hundred percent. I mean, communication creates space for grace. And grace creates space for a multitude of sins. So um, the more you communicate, the more margin you're going to have to work with. And um, my old pastor would always say, you can't hate up close. Um, So even your greatest enemy, if you get to know them on a personal level, it's going to be really hard to hate them because you recognize they're human, just like you, working through stuff just like you. So communication is the number one skill that you can build in any industry, whether it's sales, social work, Burger King, you know, welding, I don't care. Communication will get you everything you want in life if you can master it. I love that so much because it's about empathy. Like if you were really close to your enemy, you would have the empathy for them making tough decisions based on fear, just like the rest of us. Basically, they did it because they were scared. Yeah. yeah, or there's unresolved stuff floating around. And I mean, we can all relate to that to some degree. Even my trafficker, he had unresolved trauma. That's why he did what he did. So it's like, well, that actually makes a lot of logical sense why that happened. So that creates a lot of space for me to be like, not to be like, you're okay, all's good. But it creates space for me to be like, I get it still messed up, but I can forgive you. Cause I don't know if I was in the same exact situation, who I would have become and what I would have done. 
Well, I think we know Amanda, but (laughs) I don't think you would have done that. But um, I think there is something to it being less painful for you to know it wasn't anything personal to you and it was completely personal to them. Yeah, which brings us back around to the emotional resiliency and discipline thing of everything does not need an emotion. Not everything deserves your emotions. um, And it's not personal. Like it's not about you. And when you make it about you, and this is something, again, that I struggled with a lot to break, and Ron has helped me quite a bit with this, is, you know, being a female in a male-dominated industry, it's not personal, and stop making it personal. And it's so ego and pride-driven that I would think that this sale or this conversation or that comment was about me. I'm really not that big of a deal. I mean, I am, but you know what I'm saying really, it's, I'm really not that big of a deal. Get over myself and make money, you know? (laughs) Well, even when people are that big of a deal, it's still, and and you are, it's still not about that. So it's like somebody else is having some type of experience based on their perception that you're a big deal and other people that they've been with that are a big deal. And it's just crazy how, it's just all based on somebody's context and experience that's that's making them react to you a certain way. And so that's why no doesn't have anything to do with you and objections don't have anything to do with you. It it always feels personal. But I, I mentioned this to some of my clients on our group call, like imagine that this person's deciding between two sweaters and they're just like, I think that this one with the reindeers, like I feel like it's kind of shabby. Would you be offended? Or would you talk them through it? Like, what do you mean? Like, what's the event? Like, why do you feel like that? You would help them make the best decision. You get curious and you'd help them make the best decision for them without it having anything to do with you. They're just thinking of the best decision for them. And yes, your sweater is one of them, but like, it's not personal. It's still about that person's situation. I mean, that becomes a little bit more difficult when you're a creator, like being a writer, you, you you do pull your, pour your heart and soul into things. And so I've today I've had to check myself and be like, it's not personal. It's not personal. <laughs> um, but understanding, okay, I just didn't ask enough questions or I didn't, I missed when they said they wanted this, I interpreted it as this. And so I gave them what I thought they wanted, but I didn't ask enough questions. And that's why I feel this way. Not because it's good or bad, not because it's right or wrong. It just is. Yeah. And also it's just about like getting the first draft out. Just get it in the trash. No matter what, the first draft deserves to go in the trash, but it's got to get out. And then revise. And then it's always easier. You did the hardest part. You built it from scratch. A hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah. So there was something really powerful that you said that I I think it's important to, to mention and end on. And this was a huge breakthrough for you. And I think for everybody listening, like you might think, Amanda's been through so much. What I've been through is nothing comparatively. Um, Or like mine isn't as bad. Or, you know, I don't have a right to to not feel okay. Or I don't have a right to feel okay Mm -hmm. because of the bad things that have happened. Maybe my situation was worse than Amanda's. So she doesn't know. So I can't be okay because it was worse. And you said something so powerful. Can you share it with us? Yeah. The, the breakthrough that you had. Yeah. I was in therapy one day and, um, I was 
sabotaging like crazy. And my therapist goes, you do know that you're allowed to be okay, even though what happened wasn't okay. Right. And I just lost it. And we kind of broke it down of a lot of times when you go through something hard, we're gaslighted. That's very common when we might even gaslight ourselves again to survive and get through the situation. So when we come out of that, there's almost this impulsive need to remain broken so we can prove that it was really detrimental and terrible and horrible. Um, And that's self-sabotage to a max degree. So when I realized that that what what was I, I was actually doing was I was not allowing myself to heal because I had to prove that it actually happened. It was actually horrible. And once I let go of that need for justice or what I thought was justice, I was actually able to move forward and to be okay, even though what happened wasn't okay. And again, this is a theme of resiliency, kind of like what this is to an nth degree of being trafficked and abused. But then also it's, You know, even if you messed up, like there was a mess up today, that wasn't okay. But guess what? We're allowed to move on and have a good rest of our day and to get other wins and to be successful in other areas, even if that wasn't. It's about moving through it, moving through it with grace for ourselves and grace for those around us. Well, and the other thing is, I know people still sometimes, Amanda's told me some terrible things and, you know, people are terrible. Um, like, oh, well, you seem so f- okay and successful now. You weren't really sex trafficked and da 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 And that's, yeah, that's other people's expectations yeah. again that we would be living by. I have to show that this really happened to me for people to believe me, but it's on them and that's a personal issue. Yeah. And again, it's that a lot of times people are doing that because it's a lot for them. They can't comprehend that level of terribleness or they can't comprehend my level of success. Either way, it's a reflection of them and their where they're at in life and not a reflection of you or me where we're at in life. It's like, okay, if you say something like that, there's something else running behind the system here uh, that's not allowing you to receive that truth. Again, not my problem. <laughs> so you guys, whatever you've been through, it's valid. And you don't have to prove it to anyone. It was valid for you. It was not okay. Perception is reality. So that was your experience. And it's okay if other people think you need to act different. Just don't. It's freedom. So um, I think that's a good stopping point for us. And I hope that you guys feel as inspired as me Uh, When I talk to Amanda that, you know, no matter what happened to you, as long as you focus on you, your intuition, and stop thinking about what others expect of you and defining your own sense of worth and expectation and checking that it's not your definition based on what other people told you, because that's also a thing, um, you're just going to feel so free and you're going to experience so much more success than you ever thought possible. So thank you again, Amanda, for making an appearance today. <laughs> thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Can you tell everyone how they can find out more about you and how they can work with you? Yeah, I basically live on Instagram because I'm a Gen Xer or something like that. So uh, I'm Amanda Katarzy 
on Instagram. And then uh, our company is Gray Wolf Investing on Instagram. And to give you guys some context and clarity, they um, help you set up an e-commerce store and they manage it for you from there on out with wholesale products that y'all split the profit on. So it's passive income. (laughs) Yeah, you're hired. (laughs) (laughs) So definitely go check Amanda out just because it's such a great example of what is possible for you, for anyone. And this has been the Sales is Not a Dirty Word podcast, where we show you how to convert up to 80% of your sales meetings without pain pitching or pretending to be someone else. And if you guys feel like your sales aren't where you want them to be, please book a sales level up call and we'll identify the top three things you can adjust to instantly experience more success with your sales. So thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time.